0: the word of healing, and word of hope. Father God, renew our spirit. Father God, as we lay down all that we have in our hands, we find ourselves into your mighty hands, Lord. Let your name be glorified and honored this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're in this series called Deep Cleaning. Um, As you remember, last week, uh, we talked about the pride We need to clean out of us, like, uh, you know, how there are things that are stuffed inside our hearts. We need to pull them out and just, like, uh, take it out of us. And um, we saw last week how when Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, he tells, like, open the tomb, right? And uh, Martha says, God, he's going to stink. It's been four days, Unless we open our heart for God to clean those areas that needed to be cleaned, we will still carry this junk day after day after day. And I really love this. Last week we talked about in the book Living a Praying Life by Jennifer Kennedy Dean. She says this in one of those places. This is a quote from that book. She says, our job is to allow the spirit of God the access he needs to each of our hearts, right? So he can cleanse them of debris. See, the thing is, not that we are are leaving junk all the time. We try to clean ourselves, right? We try to do things... When people betray us, when people just like uh, say something negative, or we even, like, sometimes like after we say something, we realize, oh my God, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That is not what I mean. Let me just like wipe that out, you know? So we try to do things like that so that uh, we can actually clean some of those things, right? But then... We leave some undone businesses. We leave the debris, right, in there. And that needs to be cleaned. And that's why some of these deep cleaning that we need to do, let's not do it with our own strength. Let's use God's strength to clean. I know Ms. Colette is on this line. And, um, you know, she gave an amazing testimony today morning. And, and the thing about that testimony is this, right? There are things that Ms. Collette did to do the cleaning herself, but that cleaning got her to a certain place, but the rest of the cleaning has to come from the Holy Spirit and from God to just, like, get into that place and wipe it clean. And she knows it better than anybody. She goes out to clean or, uh, you know, take care of these apartments and things like that. I know she knows that certain dirt's not going to come out after using Clorox, after using this, and after using that. It, It is just like stubborn, doesn't want to leave, and she needs to use the extra pressure to do that. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in your heart and my heart. The Holy Spirit scrubs and cleans and takes the debris out. And that's what she's talking about. The clutter in our hearts throws off its acoustics, right? That God needs to tear down some of those walls, clean up some of those rubbish, haul away the, some of the wreckage. Clean up some of the corners, right? We need to allow God that, uh, and we saw last week also how David did that in Psalm 139. Search me, God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive ways in me, lead me in the way everlasting. We looked at how he asked God to open his heart and just show him things that he may have left behind. Ask God to just like a, you know give that light that needs to be put there. This thing that we that happened to us in in 1982, January 6th at 12 o'clock, and that's that just got stuck there, right? And it needs to be peeled off from that place. And unless we know that it is stuck there, unless God opens up and shows those things that we have left undone, that the people say certain things and it gets stuck in our heart. And we start to believe that over a period. Why? Because we keep saying the same thing again and again and again. At one point, you're so angry and you repeated that same thing again and again. Now it has become reality. You start to even believe that you are part of that story, right? Not with God, not with uh, the God whom we serve. When he comes in and takes that last week, we saw, about the pride. We need to clean that pride off of our heart. And the thing is that every one of us carry this every day. And and we feel like you are the only one that God spoke to about this. And that if when somebody gets into that way or asks a question about that thing, that God spoke to you. You really want to jump and chew their head off. God spoke to me. Right? And so, uh, you know, we have to let go of those things, those pride things, and say, like, a God, I want to be in harmonious with you. Let me replace my pride with joy. Sorry, sorry, with love. Because... The pride needs to be replaced with love. And this is where I want to take, you know, I know I want to jump onto this, today's topic. The thing is that next week, I'm going to take a little bit of a detour, and I'm going to talk about the spirit, the the, 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 the fruits of the spirit, right? A lot of times we think that those nine fruits of the spirit we need to have so that we can be loving somebody. We can, we can actually, um, you know, we, we have to be joyful all the time so that the people around us will see the joy because I, I'm a Christian, I, I'm a God-fearing woman, I'm a God-fearing man, I need to show this love to the people. That's how most of these messages have been preached on. And next week, uh, we will talk uh, about this. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's not your spirit uh, that that needs to get exposed. It's God's spirit. So the fruit, just like an apple, right? When God gives you an apple, you need to eat the apple first, you and I need to take God's love first into us. We, we need to eat that banana. We need to eat that mango. It's a fruit. The joy and the self and the patience. None of these things you and I can possess naturally. We need to eat God's love. We need to consume his fruit first. Then what comes out of it will be uh, 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 something that people can use. So don't worry about like when you talk about the fruits of spirit, I need to do this so that people can get it. Don't try this at home. This is, this is done by professionals and, and these are stunt um, artists who do that thing Uh, and they're already trained to do it. You and I need to train ourselves to eat that fruit. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about the fruit that, uh, you know, that the enemy tried to give to Adam, and we'll talk about the food that Jesus consumed. Fruits of the Spirit next week. But then, I got to think. How do I just like a turn some of the things that I have inside open up for the Lord to work on? So today, the second uncluttering, we talked about the pride last week. Uh, today, we'll talk about discontent. How do I just take the discontent off of my heart? Because uh, last week we saw pride, is the root of all the sin. So let's talk about today the discontent. So before we even get started, I want to go, uh, you know, pull up this, uh, you know, this uh, uh, quote from Winnie the Pooh. I don't know how many of you are watching your grandkids or your kids um, uh, watch this cartoon called Winnie the Pooh. There are a lot of characters in there. There is a kangaroo, there is a tiger, there is this uh, bear who's always looking for the honey. But there's also, there is a character called Eeyore, a donkey, right? And that donkey can just like a make a, any positive thing that a vinny or a kangaroo or a, a tiger says, uh, it will turn it into something very uh, you know, damp. Uh, and so here is like a um, one day, Vinita Pooh comes and says like, "Oh, your tail is so good." Because one day this uh, this uh, donkey um, actually um, decorates the the tail, right? And uh, Vinita Poo, uh, I mean Vini, comes and says like, "Oh, that's looking fantastic," or something very bubbly. Uh, and uh, the the ear says it is just a tale, but some I'm I'm sort of attached to it. So it's it's saying it's just it's not much of a tale. I'm just sort of attached to it, right? And, and uh, in another place, when the Pooh comes, and says it's a lovely morning, and the and the donkey says. Uh, Oh, if it is good morning, which I doubt, and then it goes on right um so there are people that we run into um where they're going to put some damp on you, okay, so don't worry about those people. I'm talking about that we are not being content, um you know. Uh, like what Paul is talking about contentment um, in in Philippians chapter four um, verses twelve. That's where I want to start today. Philippians chapter four verses twelve. It says, "I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret." Of being content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in want, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Hallelujah. It's an amazing verse, but I also want to, you know, to just like illustrate my point. I'm not talking about the world being discontent. I'm not talking about like everybody outside the church being discontent. In fact, I don't even really want to talk about the church at large. I'm talking about you, 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 you on this line and how we need to take care of this discontent. We'll talk about it in a minute. In the book of Luke, on Friday night, we were talking about like uh, the the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. That's what Luke 15 has. Three parables, right? The, the lost sheep, it's talking about when people make mistakes that they don't know that they are making a mistake. Sheep is like that, right? And so the shepherd goes looking for that sheep and brings them to the pole, right? The second one is the lost coin. We see this woman losing that coin. What is so interesting about that parable is this. She didn't lose the coin in the street. She didn't lose that coin in the marketplace. She didn't lose that coin somewhere else. She lost the coin in the house, right? The person, the, 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 the very person who was supposed to take care of that has lost it, right? And, and this is a, a picture of the church today. There are people who go to church Sunday morning services, uh, the people who are going to the Bible studies, uh, the people who are doing all these kind of like uh, all the right things, giving tithes and doing this and doing that you know in the church, in the house and getting lost the, the beautiful picture uh, that that's portrayed in this parable is that this woman who lost the coin, she lifts up the light, the word of God, and she sweeps the floor. If you are in the church and you need to be found, then we need to clean up the dirt. You cannot find the coin in the dirt and that needs to be cleaned up. And that's why this uncluttering exercise is so important We need to um, take God's word and just light our life so that we can go into the areas and just look for the stuff. The coin did not clean the floor. It's the woman who cleaned the floor. If you and I are the one who who have left some of these discontent in that place of our heart, then we are the one who needs to go and clean that out. And so it it takes an intentional effort to do that one. What is the source of, of discontentment? We have to find this discontent in our heart. Why? Because we have to, find where we have lost it, right? Uh, she didn't go to the street and looking for that coin. She the marketplace looking for that coin. She knows that she brought that home and she lost it in the home, and that's why she was sweeping for it, right? So, um, and, and the thing is, today we're going to talk about, like, what is the source? Of this discontent, right? I heard this um, these moms um, that go out. I haven't really gone out, or I've seen some some places like this. And so, this story for me is just like a, from the from the eyes of these mothers. Um, one day, they took all their children to the park, and. Uh, And the the park has, like, the swing and all these things. And uh, the kids were playing there, and these moms were sitting down and talking about it and um, talking about their life and having a good time while the kids are playing in the park. Now, after, like, a a while, some of the older kids, they were coming to the mom, and they were saying, Mom, can we play outside? Uh, that area. And and the, and the thing is that uh, the moms were just looking at that place where these kids were pointing to and they didn't feel that safe because these kids are playing with the ball and if the ball runs into the street and there is a busy street next to it and there are cars going in and out and they didn't feel comfortable leaving the kids outside to play. Now, the moms said, no, 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 stay inside and play here, right? And they were starting to talk, and a few minutes later, this mom just turned around and looked, and there were like these seven older kids. They stopped playing, and they were standing in the edge, watching at that um, uh, area outside the boundary. They were just like standing there watching. Right, and 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 behind them is a beautiful park, and they have a swing, they have like a sandbox, and they have everything that they can enjoy. But then they were looking outside, and they were just like uh, looking at everything that is going on on the other side, and not enjoying what they have. Right, and, and the thing is even though the story that these moms were talking about just like it caught my attention, right? How many times do we do that? We have so many things that God has already given to us, right? But then instead of like looking at the things that God has given, God has given you the breath today, right? You and I are alive. We are listening, and we can talk, and we have these things that are going on. We have our children in our hands. Some are grown up, sure. But then I I really liked uh, how, uh, you know, Miss Katina talked about like her daughter comes uh, home uh, and took rest uh, as as a gift for her, right? This life can go so fast and we may miss the joy of this life looking for something that we don't have just like those kids if we start to focus on what is lacking in this life right that's a source of discontent right and and the, and the source of this discontent the, the scholars believe is unbelief right uh, there is a guy named Thomas Watson, he says, discontentment is nothing but echo of unbelief. These kids could have just like spent time enjoying playing behind, but they were looking for something with so much of discontent on their own situation. They were missing to play what is given to them. I really hope and pray that this message is an encouragement for somebody to just like a pause their, their 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 life for a minute and just let everything around you freeze so you can actually look around and see the beauty of what God has already placed in your life. So, don't look for the things outside of this. Bring them back home. Right? There are three unbeliefs that, that, that uh, you know, can, can uh, destroy this life. And that's what I'm going to talk about. And how we, knowing what is making us unhappy and addressing it is what we need to do to unclutter or deep clean our hearts. Number one, it's the unbelief that we have in the character of God. And and the thing why I'm saying that you may say, No, 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 sir, I am a Christian, I'm a God fearing woman, I'm a God fearing man, I don't have a problem with the unbelief. Uh, on God's character, right? But let me tell you, right? Um, There there are times that we are not happy. We are not always in this Pollyanna kind of a state where we are always content. There are times that we are happy. There are times that we are not happy, okay? And, And the reason why we are not happy is because we don't have something that we are supposed to have, right? And what we are doing at that point is we are actually questioning two characteristics of God. Number one, we are questioning His sovereignty, right? And the second thing we're questioning is goodness. When we don't have truly, truly, truly like uh, go to that place and just look at like why you're unhappy about something, right? Why you're discontent? It's because you are you are not trusting God enough that He is in control of this situation and that He has actually placed you and me well in this place. We we are not. Trusting his goodness. He, 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 cannot, the, the, he cannot be a good God if this is part of his will for my life. I should not be here. I, I am supposed to be, you know, somewhere else. Right? That's why this discontentment comes from my disbelief of who. God is. I have two examples of this. Number one, um, there is a book called The Sad Tales of Two Evangelists. Um, This was written by this guy named Charles Templeton. How many of you know Charles Templeton? Not very many people. But in the 1940s, if you had asked any Christian who Charles Templeton is, they would have quickly said, he's an evangelist. In fact, both Billy Graham and Charles Templeton, they started their journey as evangelists. They rose to the fame in the parties In the early um, part of their career, careers, they were friends, in fact, very close friends. And this book, The Sad Tales of Two Evangelists, it's about both Billy Graham and Charles Templeton. It was actually written by Templeton, okay? And, and somewhere in the journey, Templeton goes south, and he loses his trust on God, and he becomes an atheist, and he moves away from U.S. into Canada, and he lived in a an apartment, and he was bitter and happy. And in this book, I read some portions of it. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to read this book, kind of thing. It's like uh, watching this movie, The Sound of Freedom, that's out there, you know? Uh, and the thing is that, uh, you don't want to just like uh, talk about like uh, the, the, the discontentment of life to people. Just It's like vomiting on somebody your garbage. It's like a, uh, uh, and that's why I really think like in the, in the movie that we are releasing, we're not talking about the problem of fatherlessness, we're talking about a solution to it, right? And here, this man was so discontent in this book, he's just like a throwing dirt after dirt after dirt, right? And that's that, on the Christian faith, right? And, and the reason why I want to talk about that is because uh, there is one fundamental difference between between Billy Graham and uh, Charles Templeton, that the difference is that, uh, that Billy Graham, with all his heart, his mind, and his soul, he believed in the sovereignty of God. He believed in the goodness of God. He surrendered himself to that one while Charles Templeton was asking questions like, uh, if God is so good, why is there a, a famine in Africa? Or why are these people getting killed? I mean, he's just like a going on talking about it, right? The fact that he is just talking like that makes me wonder how less he knows about God. Last week, we had a chance to sit down uh, in a church. Uh, Miss Laurie and uh, uh, Anita, Steve, and I were able to sit down on this church uh, service after our service. And I learned something, and it just made me realize to go research on some other things. So he's talking about this new star called Stevenson 2-18, Right? He said something about that star that just made me look like, okay, I'm going to go find out a little bit more about what he is talking about. He's talking about, like, a, you know, this star being so big, right? But he mentioned the name Sun, one of the other planets, right? And uh, he said that, that inside the Stevenson 2-18, you can actually um, put the, this This star is so big that you can put 13 quadruple sun inside, right? So I was thinking, oh my God, if that star is so big and they can put like a 13 quadruple sun, how big is this sun, right? And then I realized when I go looking for how big is the sun I found out this that the length of the sun is about eight hundred and sixty four thousand four hundred miles. That's how big the sun is. It's actually one point three nine one million kilometers across. Right? In fact um, you can actually take hundred and nine times It's 109 times the size, the diameter of the Earth. So you can actually place 109 Earth inside the sun itself. That's how the sun is big, right? And the sun, the planet sun, weighs about 333,000. I mean, so big. I mean, the weight of sun is so heavy that it's as much as 333,000 times uh, as an Earth, right? So, Sun is was considered as the largest planet so far, right? Among the 1.3 million planets, um, you know, um, that are out there, um, Earth can actually fit into Sun, if in. Um, uh, so it's just like so humongous, really, right? And, and and the thing is that when when you think about like a, how big you are, and how much space that you occupy, and you compare to when, when you compare to the sun or the moon or the earth, right? It's just like a, the the magnitude, the humongousness of this planets that are out there, you come out today, you look at that sun, this this yellow round thing on the sky, right? It should amaze you because from the distance, it looks like a small round thing, but it's actually like a 864,000 miles long, right? Now, can you imagine the maker of the sun and the earth, right? And, and, and how he must have an infinite wisdom to create all these planets that are out there. And now, this dust, dust or the, the small thick particle is asking and questioning the wisdom and knowledge of this God this just like this just takes me out of this world to even think that I can even question God about His sovereignty and how big He is. It's just like unfathomable for me. I don't even think I can even ask God such questions, right? But then, when when a trial comes, when we are when we are down on the trenches. Here's what we commonly say when we start to do things like uh, you run into a problem and you want to do something about it, uh, what are you doing? Immediately you jump on the fix uh, instead of just like a uh, pausing for a second and saying, God, I really don't know what I'm doing here. This thing that is in front of me is bigger than what I can handle would you help me to get through this? God, I really don't understand why you allowed this to happen to me. God, I really cannot comprehend my problem at this point, it looks bigger, that, you know, I I have a limited knowledge on how to, uh, you know, survive this. I don't really need to understand God about all these things. You know everything, right? And and, and we need to surrender ourselves and say, God, I'm just not going to be like the kid watching outside. Why I'm not able to play there. If you have kept me here, that's because I have to be taken care of in safety. Sometimes I believe very strongly Some of these men and women are in prison today not because of the mistake that they did or they're getting punished for it. It's because God allowed them to stay there for a while so they will get their act together. It's God's way of getting their attention. Sometimes it feels like God hasn't given you something. It's because God hasn't given that to you God hasn't let you do something. God hasn't let you build something. God didn't allow you to have that, uh, you know, job that you're looking for. It's because God does not, you know, in, in his equation, he has a bigger plan for you and me and that he's allowing this to happen because he wants to take you and me home safely and live the rest of our life with him. And and, and and the thing is that when we try to do something with our hands while we are dealing with a problem, what we are saying is that God is not enough. We think that God is not enough. We have to have God plus something so I can get what I want. Right? This, this, disbelief or unbelief in god is a very first source that we need to deal with in order for us to find that contentment when when we are coveting for something when we are looking for something that we don't have it's almost like a, like a paul says it's an idolatry it's it's like a, you know you want to replace God with the, what you're looking to have, right? When we covet for something that we don't have, then our heart is divided, and that's where the discontentment starts, right? It's it's part of our discontentment, you know, that gets fueled, you know, by our unbelief on who God is. The Bible says in Matthew chapter ten, verses uh, twenty-nine and thirty-one, twenty-nine to thirty-one. It says, th- "This is a, this is talking about like a, a a guy selling a sparrow for a penny, right? Um, and, and two sparrows for a penny, right? So this guy is like a a, a street vendor selling two sparrows for a penny, but then." If, if you buy, if you give like for two pennies, instead of giving four sparrows, he gives five. He throws in one extra. It's like going to coal. It's just like a buy two, get one free, right? So here, for two pennies, instead of four sparrows, he gives one extra sparrow, right? And the Bible In the Bible, God says, right, um, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Even the hair of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, You are more, you are of more value than many sparrows. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, it says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the earth, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God just did this whole conspiracy theory that he is just like a builder around this earth and the the heavens and he just like wants to take us home. So he's going to do everything to prepare us on this earth. So sometimes, even though we do not have what we are praying for, it's because God wants to make sure that you are safe where you are. And ourselves, we become discontent and we start to question God. So The first thing that we need to overcome in this journey when it comes to this this discontent is to start to trust the Lord with all your heart and all your mind. We need to tell God that you know what you're doing. I don't need to tell you whether this is right or wrong. God, I'm going to accept your your decision and i'm going to you know be content with that and that's what charles templeton should have done instead of questioning god and trying to find an answer with his own you know strength that's why he died bitterly in that apartment complex in canada and wrote this sad of two evangelist book because he was trying to become the savior and God and he was trying to figure things out and he was questioning God the maker of heaven and earth who cares about you and me number two unbelief in our true home when we uh, you know um, live on this earth, right? We put a lot of our trust on this earth and this life, uh, and we're going to find ourselves, uh, you know, perpetually discontent, right? Because this earth is not our home, right? A lot of times people don't believe there is an afterlife that is out there. There is a heaven, there is a true home. That's where I'm being prepared to go. But, you know, we are trying to find the satisfaction on this home that we are living in. Have you ever taken a a vacation, a travel, and you go out for like a week, and then when you come home and lie down on that bed of yours, you feel the sigh of relief. Why? Because the place that you went to it's just like a temporal place uh, because you're coming home to sleep in your bed. We went to Seattle for a week when my daughter was really young. like uh, She probably was like uh, two or three years old. And when we came home after a week, uh, she was rolling on the floor because she finally realized, I am home, I'm home. Right. The bed, the pillow... Uh, and and the food that you eat st- suddenly start to become very sweet why because you know now you can just relax because uh, you know uh, the, the thing that you have at home that's your home right when we realize that when we are on the journey when we are vacationing when we are in a hotel room right when that pillow that the hotel has is not comfortable for you to sleep, when you realize that it's only temporal, that you will go home, then you will start to enjoy the vacation much better. Right? And, and that's how we need to feel. We, when we start to look through that window and say, hmm, this is all good, but this is just a vacation. I'm going to go home. Right? A homecoming is so important because this world is full of discomfort. We, we don't always, you know, like the things uh, uh, that, that you normally get at home. The food that you prepare, the comfort food that you prepare at home is not going to be available on the road. Right? And how much ever you are planned to do, how much ever you just like to try to accommodate in your travel the fact that, you know, until you accept the fact that you are a traveler at that moment in time and that you are not going to find everything that you'll get at home and that you will go home to get what you need, then you will be satisfied. So the thing is, we all have a homecoming waiting for us. We said, I prayed about this. That's what is so funny about, you know, this morning, like when we come, people are already saying things that is all in the message, right? We are looking forward to that homecoming. We long for that place in the ministry that we do. Oftentimes, things get harder, right? But then you look at the fruit of the labor. Coming from Charleston or Somerville, traveling three hours this this way, four hours that way, it's going to be hard. But then when you see the smile on the faces of these children, when they run towards their father, all that discomfort goes away. When you see the child walking around and talking and and, and doing things that uh, y- you will forget that labor pain that you went through because all that you went through is worth it. And, and the thing is this, like, uh, sometimes we feel like uh, that you don't have that comfort here, but then at the same time, when you look at like a God, what he has prepared for us, a mansion for you and me to go to, you will realize that life that's coming where you're going to spend millions of years is going to worth everything. That's why we need to go into the heart of ours and take that discontent because this earth is not going to make you happy. This earth is going to have disappointment and betrayal. And when you just like to take that out of your mind, knowing that the place that you're going is worth all that you're going through right now. So we need to start to have a belief on that second home or the home that we have prepared, the home that God has prepared uh, if we need to have a belief on that. When you have unbelief on that one, that's when we start to generate discomfort or uh, discontent. The third one, I will quickly finish this one. When you truly have unbelief over the purpose, the true purpose of your calling, then you are going to generate the discomfort or the discontent in you. We need to believe our purpose, right, that God has placed in your life is the best thing that that God can do to you and me. Oftentimes we compare our life with the people that are next to us. Why is that guy rich while I'm struggling here? Why is that guy has more people coming to his church when I don't have enough people coming? The thing is this, even in the ministry, we cannot compare ourselves to somebody else. We have to believe in the true calling of what God has called you to be. You don't need to be that preacher that is having a big pulpit and a a platform to preach to the 100,000 people, that's that's his, his calling or her calling. Your calling is to serve your son, your daughter, your father, your mother. Your calling is over the people that God has placed in your life. And you do that well. And that's all God is expecting out of you and me. We sometimes look at the people that are doing better than us, comparing ourselves to them, and then we become so discomforted and discontent with our life. And God is just like reminding us, don't look at that world that is just like enjoying all these things because Their purpose and their calling may be completely different than yours. Yours may be to just take care of your mom and your dad. Your purpose is just probably to take care of uh, your son or daughter or your grandkid. Your purpose in this life uh, may be to just to do what God has called and placed you right now. Even doing ministry, sometimes we go above and beyond to do certain things. Don't do that. I know doing that ministry is the right thing to do. I'm not preaching this to you. I'm preaching this to me as well, right? And it's because you're trying to do overdo what God has already... God is probably sitting there and thinking and smiling and saying, what the, are you doing? Why are you trying all these things with your own strength? Loosen up. I've already told those people to come and meet with you. Right? You just have to believe in where God has placed you and the true purpose of your calling because of the unbelief we have on the purpose God has placed on us. That's what is the cause of our discomfort and discontent. C.S. Lewis, talks about this. These are people who just like to have amazing wisdom, right? He says, imagine yourself as a house, okay? God comes to rebuild that house. At first, right, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right, stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on, right? He knew those jobs needed something to be done, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts to knocking the house, uh, and about uh, this time, you know, it starts to hurt normally, right? And it doesn't even make sense. Why is God taking this wall away? This wall is needed. God, do you not know that I have to have this wall? This is so important for me, right? What on earth are you doing, God, right? The, the explanation that C.S. Lewis is giving is, uh, you know, God is building quite a different house than the one you thought you were going to have, right? He's just like a throwing a wing here to have something done. He's building some extra floors there. He's running some towers so he can build a courtyard. You and I thought we, we, we are going to, uh, uh, you know, um, make a decent little cottage, right? But God has a, a plan to build a palace. He intends to come and live in that palace, right? We dream Sometimes our dreams are so small compared to what God has for us. He wants to make us into the image of his son. Can you believe that? How big is that plan? He, he has our very best good always in his mind, right? When he's bringing certain circumstances into our life, right? The good he's working for is so much better than the good we would dream up for ourselves. But well, we, we tend to compare our purpose with the purpose he's given to some other people. And I also saw this, uh, um, you know, illustration somewhere. Uh, in a potter's house, he has this cabinet. In that cabinet, he has a teacup and a plate, Right? And so when the teacup looked at the plate, it's, it's, it was saying, Oh my God, my owner uses that plate all the time for every food. The plate must be really amazing because he's serving the food every day on the plate, right? The master must have really liked him. But I am a teacup, I'm fragile, I'm, I'm petite. Right, I'm small. I'm I'm not as strong as that plate. That's probably why my, my 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 owner, my my master, is not using me. Right. On the other hand, in that same cupboard, the plate is looking at the teacup and thinking, "Oh my God, my master uses the teacup for special occasions. He brings the teacup at three o'clock in the afternoon." For a special time, right? It has—it's pretty. It's got curves. I'm flat and straight, but I, I'm just taking a lot of you know hot food on me, while well, he's just like a using that where it's just like a taking the the heat off of his teeth, right? Here's the thing. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter twenty-nine, verses eleven. The people, the Israelites were taken captive into Babylon and everybody was just discontent in that new place uh, while God was speaking to this prophet in verse 11. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and hope. And you will call upon me, and go and pray to me, I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. And you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, saith the Lord. I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. In Proverbs 19:21 it says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails, don't try harder. What you're trying to do is fighting with a supreme power. He's going to win. It, it, it is better for us to surrender now and say, God, I'm willing. Use me, God. Potter, use me. Make me. Mold me. Use me as a vessel worthy to carry whatever the purpose that you have for me. Proverbs 20, 24 says, a person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? So stop stressing over things because this, uh, you know, uh, discontent or, uh, you know, having this lack of content is because we think we want to give God the advice that he needs to have to direct your path and my path. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Chapter 3, verses 1 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. God has planned out your life. He knows exactly what will happen when it will happen. There is an appointed time for everything according to the book of life. All you and I need to do is to have faith in knowing that the Lord's timing is perfect. Ms. Katina.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Cyril, for this wonderful um, message and adding another layer uh, to um, the things that we need to rid our hearts of, you know, that's going through this deep theme process and learned about pride last week and it being the root of all sins, and and for us to recognize, you know, that trying to declutter this process is not something that we can do on our own. This is a God-sized task. It's almost like, you know, when we go through trying to clean our own home, sometimes we got to call in the expert cleaning services. The task is so big that we can't do it on our own. It's so large that we just can't handle it all on our own. It's overwhelming to the point where we just can't handle it all on our own. So what do we do? We call on the per, the, the, the company to come in, and they come in with their three-person lady three person crew or four-person crew, and they knock it out. They start from the top or the bottom or bottom to the top, and they just get it all done. And this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to call them up, and he wants us to say, God, you know what? I can't do this task on my own. This task is too big for me. This is a God-sized task. And I need you to show up like how you you are, trusting you, trusting your plan, trusting that you're going to give me the strength that I need in order to be able to get through this. So we have to pray, and we've got to ask the Holy Spirit to show up daily and declutter us of the things that may keep us from being close to him. Because at the end of the day, this is all about him. This is a perpetual thing that leads right back to him. And God's on our side. He wants us to win because he wants us to get back to him. He wants to be able to use us for his purpose, for his glory's sake. And we have to pray and we, ask, we have to ask God to peel off the hardened layers of our old heart, because these are things that are actually stored in the crease and the crevices deep in our hearts. Sometimes they're so deep that we can't even see them. Sometimes they're so deep that we don't even know they're there. Sometimes we're so busy that we don't even want to face the music or face reality of what's really, really embedded in there. Sometimes they're big, and sometimes they're just little, small, little specks. But even the smallest and the biggest thing needs to be, you know, dealt with. So we've got to ask Him to peel off those layers of our whole old heart and create a new heart in us. You know, I'm working on this project at work, and we're dealing with a lot of data. You know, I'm talking uh, Excel spreadsheets with like, you know, 500 over 500 line items, and we're having to try to go through, and we've got to take out the false data, or sift out the things that aren't true, and leave us and leave the true stuff remaining. So that's what this this whole process is looking like. This whole decluttering process. God wants to remove the stuff that are false. And then leave us with the things that are true, the things that matter, the things that we can prove, the things that are not bogus. They're the real things, the real data. God wants the real data, the real person, and he wants to scrub us and he wants to remove the things that he can't do nothing with because they're false. So discontent this, this being one of those things. So we learned about pride and needing to, you know, scrub ourselves of that. Now this week we're talking about discontent. And this isn't about anybody else, right? This is a, this is This is personal now, right? So this isn't about the church. This isn't about your spouse. This isn't about the world or anything. This is about the discontent that we harbor within our own hearts. This is about, you know, the things that constantly – come in our lives and into our hearts and into our minds and echo unbelief, echo that our God's not able, echo that God, God is, is weak and he's not strong. We're weak and we're not strong. These are those things that God wants us to remove those things. We got to scrub those things from our hearts. He wants to remove those things and scrub those things from our hearts. right? Because remember, it's not about what we can do. This is about what he can do. He's the only one that can do this. He's the person that we call on, the cleaning service, the, the cleaner, and he wants to remove this, this this discontent from our heart. You know, and so many of us have, you know, lost the the act of being content, right? You know, we look around and we look at people, we look at social media, we look at the news, we look at things, and we get, get discontent. We get so consumed with the unbelief, unbelief of 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 the sovereign one and the, the goodness of what God can really, really do with our lives because we just don't trust him. We don't trust him enough to believe that he's actually in control of this thing, that he's actually in control of us. He's in control of our circumstances and our situations. And that's why it's imperative that we watch the company that we keep. Because sometimes we can attach ourselves to people that actually have this discontent spirit, too, and uh, we begin to feed off of it. The two are feeding off of each other. We get on the phone and we complain and we murmur and, you know, we exchange information and we want to hear the yeah, amen corner and all of that stuff. So we got to be careful who we're talking to. Who are we taking these feelings of discontent to? Are you going to take it to the person that's going to have the same type of energy and you're just feeding off of each other, or are you going to take it to God and humble yourself to Him and tell Him, you know what, God, this is how I'm feeling. I need You to do something with this thing. I need You to scrub me. I need You to peel back the layers of this thing. I need You to allow me to become raw, so that I can then be healed and get a new layer of skin. Because I, I, I just can't, I can't continue to be to live on like this because You can't do nothing with me as long as I'm like this. So we've got to humble ourselves before God, and we got to pray, and we got to trust that he knows everything. He knows even things that we don't know. Sometimes we pray for things, and he don't even show up. You know, he's like, you have no idea what I really want to give you, but you keep praying for the things that, and i got something bigger for you. So we've got to, you know, trust him, right? we got to, you know, trust in his character and stop. Putting him in this small little box when he really wants to show up big and and show up as this grandiose um, character God that we serve. But we got to trust him with all our heart and soul and not lean on our own understanding, right, and trust that in all our ways, if we acknowledge him, he's going to direct our path. So we've got to get to the point where we can trust the character of God, trust the man of God and who he is, the sovereign one, the good one, the pure one, the just one, the mighty one, the miracle worker, the the promise keeper. He is all of those things. And we need to attach ourselves to people that believe that also. And then the second thing Pastor uh, Cyril talked about was unbelief and discontent in our homes you know sometimes we just moved into a new place and i had a, i went through a, a period of feeling discontent you know, we had been living in this, you know, the townhouse for uh, eight years, and you know, I, I you know, down we we, we don't want to use the word downsized, but we right sized ourselves because we wanted to be in something just a little bit smaller. We wanted to be, you know, in areas that were closer to the work and 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 uh, my family and parents and stuff like that, and just to be able to get to things a little bit more quickly to try to reduce some of the stress that was. Um, that had shown up in our lives, and that house was stressing us, the commute was stressing us, you know, trying to keep it up was stressing us. And we looked around, and we were like, why are we doing this, you know? The Holy Spirit spoke to my husband and was like, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You don't don't need this for where I'm about to take you. So, you know, we got to look at that. You know, we we start to, you know, be – we start to – Hold on to stuff, and God is trying to call us out of that thing. You know, we, we, we turn to not believe where He's calling us to be. I went through that. I wasn't believing where He told us that we needed to do, where He brought us to. And I had to stop, and I had to find the joy and what He had created for us. And sometimes we got to stop for a second, and we got to silence that thing, and, and we got to stop with all this unbelief. In our home, unbelief in and, and the spiritual home that He's built for us. This is not about an earthly home because we get too caught up in the earthly things. We get too caught up in the tangible things that we can touch when God has a spiritual home, a true home, an everlasting home, an eternity home, one that will never, ever cave. So we got to stop looking around. We got to stop looking for joy in just this earthly home and this earthly thing. And we have to stop looking, stop look. We gotta start looking for You th- stop looking at the things that we don't have, and start trusting God for the things that He has for us. So trust that God knows what's best for us, we, even when we don't always get the things that we want. Like sometimes we pray for things, that we feel like God has just shut His ear off. Like He done turned His back. He done just not listening to us. But Just think about it. He knows what's truly best for us. So we need to start praising him for the shutting off and start rejoicing when he don't show up in those areas of those things that we're asking him for, because he truly knows what's best for us. And we gotta set our eyes on the heavenly things. We gotta set our eyes on the heavenly home and not on this earthly home and not on these earthly things. And I think if we sit back and we think about the spiritual manifestation of things, that we can find joy in those things and be like, God, I am so happy that you did not give me that thing that I was praying for. I am so happy that you didn't give me that job that I thought I wanted. I am so happy that you didn't let this relationship uh, work with this person that truly was not best for me. I'm so happy, God, that you didn't give me the, that car that I've been praying for. I'm happy, God, that you kept those people out of my lives that really didn't need to be there. So we've got to stop um, having unbelief. And the spiritual home, and start believing God as being the, the God that knows all. We start need to start trusting Him. And the third thing is the unbelief over the purpose of our calling. Sometimes we start finding, we start looking at other people our heads on a swivel, we're looking at the pastor, we're looking at the deacon, we're looking at the ushers, we're looking at the, the, the ministers, we're looking at the evangelists, and, we and we're looking at our friends, right? Even sometimes even our spouses, we start looking around, and we start comparing ourselves, right? And then we start trying to tailor our purpose to look like what their purposes might look like. And we're not trusting God for whatever the purpose is that he has for us. We're all unique right? And he has a plan for each and every one of us. Uh, We're not going to look like the next person. Our assignment is not going to look like the next person's assignment. So we can no longer have unbelief over the purpose of our calling. You know, and all of these unbeliefs now that we're talking about, they're attached to this discontent. So we got to switch it, right? And we have to believe in the purpose that God has placed in our life, not our purpose, but the purpose that he's placed there we gotta We got to ask him for tunnel vision. God, let me see what your purpose is. I want to be content with your purpose. I don't want to trust what I think the purpose is. I want to trust what your purpose is. Because God has big plans for us, big plans. And sometimes when we go to him, it's so minute and so small. Yet again, he doesn't allow those things to manifest itself because he's got something bigger for us. He believes that if we just trust him, And we believe in him and we be content with where he would have us to be and content with where he is taking us, that we're going to see the big end result of this thing. So we got to pray daily and empty our cup and extend the empty cup to the heavens and ask him to refill us with the belief and the purpose that he has for us. And I want to end today with that song that we started off talking with, you know, and I'm thinking about some of the lyrics of it and thinking about our message today and we're talking about being, you know, clearing our hearts of the discontent, clearing our hearts of the things that God doesn't want us to take along for the trip, right? He has these plans for us, and these plans are good, right, to give us a future and a hope. But some of the lyrics of this song says, I don't want to love what the world loves. So we got to get to the point where we love what God has for us, that we're content with the things that God has for us and not content with the things of this world. I don't want to chase what the world does. So we got to get content with the things that God wants us to chase after, chase after, and not be discontent with the things and the places that he's calling us to. The song says that I only want you. Do you only want God today Will you pray and you ask God to allow you to be content with who he is and be content with only what he wants us to have? Will you be content seeking God's will and not your own? Will you surrender all your wants to God and keep the first things first to live his truth and not your own? Will you be content living his truth and not be so fixated on your truth? Will you be content not walking in your own ways but walking in the ways of the Lord? Will you be content setting your eyes on the things that God wants you to set your eyes on? And will you be content allowing God to fix your face on just him on today and not fix your face on the things of this world? The Lord wants us to, he doesn't want us to live in captivity. He wants us to live in the light. He wants us our light to shine so bright that as we are navigating through this dark, dark world, we are set apart, set apart for the task that He would have us to do. He wants us to be foundable. He wants us to He wants to easily be able to seek us out. So He does not want us to live in darkness. So will you pray and ask God to allow you to be content with what He would have for you, content with the light that He would have you to shine as and today so that we can be found by him, so that we can make his name known. It's all about him. It's that perpetual circle, cycle back to him. And I pray that this helps somebody today because it helped me. and allowed me to be able to be more content and pray for to be more content. So let's pray this week. Put down the discontent mantle and pray that the mantle of content will consume us this week. Pastor Cyril.
0: Amen. Amen. Praise God. Um, like, uh, you know, as you know, was just like, uh, you know, talking through, I was thinking like uh, how this is not something that we should try on our own. <laughs> you know, that's something that God is speaking to me as well, you know. There are things uh, like a uh, pride. We need to take it out. discontent, uh, We need to take it out of our heart. And we'll go through this list. And, uh, I hope, uh, you know, uh, some of the things that we um, tried to do last week, do those things as an exercise. Allow yourself uh, to pause from everything and just get to God and see what God can do in your life and mind. Let's go to the prayer communion this morning. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our heart's during. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers them all. Father God, our desire is to live for you. God, this morning as we take this bread, representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us. And to all who receive you, Father, we're so thankful this morning. We're so thankful that you, Father God, broke yourself and gave it to us. God, as we take this bread in remembrance of you, Father God, we are celebrating your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Let's take the bread. Oh, yeah. In the same way, we take this cup, representing your blood, poured out from that splendid cup. God, you are such a supreme sacrifice for all of our sins, past, present, and future. God, we remember and celebrate this life that you've given us through the blood you spilled. Let's take a drink. Hallelujah, 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 Father, we are so thankful for who you are and what you have done, God, this morning, may open us, grace and your mercy, God, we unto ourselves and our thoughts on our heart and our mind and us, Lord, with your spirit we are open Father God for you to dwell in us and, and we want to clean up that place so you can live comfortably in that place help us to get back to where you want us in Jesus name we pray Father for the glory amen. amen Amen Everyone have an amazing day And we will come back next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Have a great
1: day, everyone.